You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. David can have the sword of Goliath in his arsenal, but he would be better equipped if he had the faith that killed Goliath. You know, this reminds me of that verse of scripture that's recorded for us in 2 Corinthians. Paul the Apostle tells us in chapter 10 and verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So what are the weapons? that God has made available uh, to us. Sometimes when you're on a trail and you're following that path to where you're going, but then you get really hungry, and so you go off the path and into the weeds to try to find something that'll help. You might find what you're looking for, but you also get derailed from the original purpose or destination that you were headed toward. This is kind of what happened to David, and in today's passage, Pastor Mike explains the difference between relying on earthly comfort and things over-relying on God's direction. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Psalm chapter 73 as he continues his message, The Actions of a Desperate Man. I remember what you said, you returned that I might live in my picking up in that 73rd Psalm. So here was his dilemma. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful, the unbelievers, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Have you ever felt that way? You know, here you are just doing everything you can possibly do to serve God, and things just aren't working out the way that you hoped they would work out. Well, he goes on here, they are not in trouble as other men. And we're talking about the wicked here now. Nor are they plagued like other men. And so he's facing this dilemma. He's, he's wrestling with this question. And notice he didn't receive the answer to that question. Notice, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and obviously when he went into the sanctuary of God, as did David, then God began to address those questions that was in his heart. Then I understood their end. And what was their end? Surely you set them in slippery places and you cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with uh, terrors. So listen, what should we take away from this? Okay, so you may be wrestling with that same kind of a question you're dealing with. You know, does it really pay to serve God? Uh, Something is you know, uh, come across your path and your life experience, 
Maybe you've uh, uh, gotten the, the test results back from the doctor and it doesn't look good. Uh, maybe you're uh, suffering a broken relationship with someone that you love. Maybe uh, someone that you love has passed away. Maybe you've lost your job. You know, you fill in the blanks. Whatever you happen to be going through at the present time, and you're asking yourself these kinds of questions. What should we do? Well, we should do as Asaph did. We should do as David did. And that is put ourselves in that place where God can speak to us. And where is that place? Well, I commend you for being here. Because I believe that God will speak to you through this message. It's so important that we keep ourselves in that place where God has that opportunity to speak to us. It helps us to have the right perspective on the things that are going on in our lives. But let me ask you this question. Are we taking advantage of all of the opportunities that have been provided for us for God to speak to us? Are we only receiving part of God's provision, part of God's program? Let me ask you a question. If, uh, for example, let's say, I, I, know, I know this is a crazy example, but an illustration, but nevertheless, I'm going to use it. Let's say that an angel all of a sudden, you're sitting in your living room, and all of a sudden an angel appeared to you and uh, said, hey, Mike, uh, listen, Jesus sent me to let you know that at 8 p.m. this evening, Jesus is going to come and he's going to speak to you. I bet you that you would do everything that you possibly could do to make sure that you make yourself available at 8 p.m. to visit with Jesus so that he could speak to you. Listen, if you know that God has led you to Harvest Christian Fellowship, without a doubt, and, uh, or wherever, maybe you're visiting, maybe this isn't your home church, thank you again, visitors, for being with us, and you know, maybe you've, uh, you've chosen another fellowship to attend and you feel like that's your home church, but at the present time, as you had mentioned, uh, they're not uh, getting together on Sunday morning, so you've come out to be with us. And again, we thank you for that. But, uh, but if you know without question that God has led you to Harvest Christian Fellowship, well, then you also must believe that God has prepared messages to minister to you in that very relative and personal kind of a way. So there's no reason for you to have these questions, living in confusion, you know, trying to make heads or tails of what's going on in your life's experience. Just keep yourself in that place where God can speak to you and take advantage of every opportunity. If you believe that God has led you to Harvest Christian Fellowship, then please take advantage of all of those different opportunities. So anyway, I think that that's what we should take away uh, from this text of Scripture. Now let's go back to our text. I want to give you some background concerning what is recorded for us here in these first nine verses of Scripture. Uh, this location, Nob, uh, was just north of the old city of Jerusalem and about six miles south of the city of Gibeah, and that's where Saul had set up his uh, kingdom. Ahimelech, who we're introduced to there in verse 1, who at that time was serving as the priest, was the brother of Ahijah, who we were introduced to in one of our previous studies there in 1 Samuel in chapter 14, verses 3, and then once again in 18. Uh, Ahimelech was also the great-grandson of Eli. Remember Eli? Early on in our studies? Uh, who was also the high priest. But this fellow Ahimelech was now serving as priest at Nob at this time. 
But I want you to take note of the fact that he was not spoken of as the high priest, as was his brother, as was his grandfather. And it may be that his brother Ahijah was either too ill to continue in that office or had recently passed away. Well, in either event, Ahimelech appears to have been serving in an interim period when although much was required of him, he had little power to function effectively. Now also, I want you to take note of, let's go back to verse 1. When Ahimelech heard that David had entered the gates of the city, he came trembling towards David. Notice there we are told that he was afraid. Now why was that? Well, listen, the times were troublesome, and Ahimelech's chief concern seems to have been the survival of Eli's, his grandfather's dynasty, that is, you know, the, uh, Eli's son, with the, Eli who was the high priest, uh, his son after Eli passed would then become the next high priest, and so on and so forth. So it seems like Ahimelech uh, is just simply concerned with the survival of Eli's dynasty, and also the sanctuary that was located there at this time at uh, Nob. So his question that he asked David was most apropos. He was probably thinking that David had been sent by the king on a special detail, and he was considering shutting him down. Well, anyway, David in his conversation with the Himalek lied to cover the fact why he was there. That is why he was fleeing. He didn't mention that from Saul. And this lie had some serious consequences for Ahimelech and his father's house, as we will see next time as we move into the next chapter, here in chapter 22, because Saul misconstrued what had just taken place between this meeting that's recorded for us here in verse 21, and he thought that he was actually hiding uh, David from him, and thus Saul not only killed Ahimelech, but also the members of his household, but we'll get into that uh, next time. Well, anyway, in response to David's request, notice there in verse 3, for food, and then once again in verse 8, for weapons, Ahimelech gave him five loaves of bread from the twelve that was located in the sanctuary or in the holy place, tabernacle, and also the sword of Goliath. And then also, we are told the priest, Ahimelech, also inquired of the Lord on David's behalf. Although it's not mentioned here in chapter 21 that Ahimelech inquired of the Lord on behalf of David, but it is mentioned in the next chapter, in chapter 22, in verse uh, 10. Now let's talk about these uh, items that were given to David, and let's take them in their order. First of all, the showbread. Now, what are we talking about? What was the showbread? These loaves of bread that were offered by Ahimelech to David upon his request. Well, there in the tabernacle of the Lord, and remember the tabernacle of the Lord was where uh, God's people met with God. It was also the place where they would offer the various uh, sacrifices. Now, within the holy place, there were different cubicles there within the tabernacle. There was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies, and it was separated by this curtain. Within the holy of holies was the Ark of the Covenant. It was there that the Shekinah glory of God appeared 
to the high priest and him alone one day out of the year on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest went behind the veil and offered up a sacrifice for the sins of the entire nation of Israel. But in the other cubicle, known as the holy place, there were three articles of furniture, and that's the way they referred to them. And uh, it was there where the menorah was, which represented the nation of Israel being a light under the old dispensation. I remember uh, recently in our series in the book of Revelation, I had suggested to you now under the new dispensation in the New Testament, the menorah represents the New Testament church, okay? Even as Jesus refers to us as the light of the world. So that was one of the articles of furniture that was found in the holy place. And then also there, as another part of uh, the furniture, was the altar of incense, where they would burn the incense, and so it would come up and it was uh, mingled together with the prayers of uh, the people, uh, a sweet savor that would rise up uh, before uh, God. And then the third article of furniture was this table. And upon the table, there in the tabernacle, it held 12 loaves of bread symbolizing God's continual fellowship with the nation of Israel. And on that table, there were 12 loaves, and each loaf represented one of the tribes of uh, Israel. Now, the importance and meaning of the showbread is found in its name. Literally, showbread means bread of faces. So, therefore, it is a bread that is associated with and to be eaten before the face of God. Now, F.B. Meyer, one of my favorite uh, commentators, in his uh, commentary, calls the showbread presence bread. And so to eat the showbread was to eat God's bread in God's house as a friend and as a guest of the Lord, enjoying his hospitality. And think about this. You know, within that culture, within the Eastern culture, quite different from the culture in which we live uh, today, you know, everything today is fast foods, right? But in that culture back then, eating together formed a bond of friendship that was permanent and was sacred. The showbread was always to be fresh. And so uh, each week, from Sabbath to Sabbath, those 12 loaves were taken off of the table and replaced with new loaves of bread, hot bread, fresh bread. And so uh, Ahimelech would then have given David the old showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place. Now, what do we take away from this? You know, everything that was going on there within the tabernacle was symbolic, uh, can be considered as an analogy. Remember, it represented fellowship with God. And so the replacing of the bread each week, from, uh, from week to week, from the Sabbath to the next Sabbath, what does that say to us? Well, I, I think that more than anything else, it speaks of how that God wants our fellowship with him, our time before his face, to be fresh and not stagnant, ever-growing, learning, serving. And that's the way that we come into the house of the Lord. That's the kind of fellowship that God wants to have with us. You know, I think Paul, uh, you know, refers to this 
when he wrote to the church in uh, Philippi, in Philippians chapter 3, in verses 12 through 14. And there, Paul, and this was just, you know, Paul's attitude about his relationship with God. He was never resting on his laurels. You know, he he wanted every uh, day to be a new day walking with God, to be used of God. He wanted it to be fresh. He didn't want it to be stagnant. He wanted to ever be growing in his walk and his relationship uh, with the Lord. And so let's pick up in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already attained, and by the way, I guess I should mention the fact that when Paul wrote this epistle to the church at Philippi, he had already been a Christian for 30 years. And I want you to take special note of that. And and think about who Paul was, how profoundly uh, used of God. And, uh, you know, in comparison, he leaves all of us in the dust, right? And nevertheless, he says, not that I have already attained, you know, that he's got it all wired, that he's got it all figured out. In other words, he knows that there was always room for improvement in his relationship with God. And so he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. You know, how many of us, you know, have bought into that idea that, you know, we've got it all figured out, we've got it all wired, that there's no room for improvement in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. You know, how foolish that is. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, again, 30 years after his conversion experience, he's writing this. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, you know, all of the victories, all of the miracles, how that God profoundly used them, the establishing of so many churches, preaching the gospel, the successful missionary tours. You know, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. He's not resting on his laurels. And he says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ uh, Jesus. And so, uh, so I think that that's what we should take away from all of this. And it's all about fellowship, having that communion with God, right? And, uh, you know, with that attitude of gratefulness, it serves as a reminder of the tremendous price that Jesus paid that we might have fellowship and communion with him, with a holy and a righteous God. But as we go before the Lord, he wants us to have that same kind of an attitude. He wants things to be fresh, with that same desire to want to know him better, to dig in a little bit deeper. Now let's go back to our text. Remember I had mentioned that Himelech asked David this question uh, concerning the young men and whether or not they had kept themselves from women before he gave them the bread to uh, eat. Remember now, the showbread was not to be treated casually. It must be regarded as holy. In fact, if you want some background information about the showbread, You can read about it in the book of Leviticus in chapter 24 and verse 9. And there we are told that the priests in the holy place were to eat of that bread that was laid there on the uh, table of showbread. But nevertheless, uh, there wasn't a prohibition for anyone else to eat it. There's no prohibition mentioned in the book of Leviticus. Uh, But basically, it was to be uh, eaten by the priests and the priests Uh, there within the holy place. So why did he ask this question? 
Well, Ahimelech asked David for a basic level of ceremonial cleanness before he gave them the showbread. So that's the reason why he asked that, uh, that question. So anyway, the showbread. So that's what that was all about. But then notice also, David asked Ahimelech, was there any weapons that he could give him? And remember how he responded. He says, the only weapons that we have here in the tabernacle was the sword of Goliath. Well, listen, David was happy to have a good weapon. And notice his remark. He says of that sword, there was none like it. But you know what? As David held this sword, he should have remembered how he came to win it in the first place. He certainly didn't do it with lies and half-truths. He did it with a bold trust in God, a trust that believed God and trusted him to sort out the circumstances. And listen, you know what? David can have the sword of Goliath in his arsenal, but he would be better equipped if he had the faith that killed Goliath. You know, this reminds me of that verse of Scripture that's recorded first in 2 Corinthians, Paul the Apostle, tells us in chapter 10 and verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So what are the weapons that God has made available to us? Those wonderful resources, prayer, faith, hope in Jesus, those are the weapons. They're not carnal, but rather they are mighty from God to the pulling down of strongholds, whatever you will face in your life's experience. Now, while in Nob, notice also, let's go back to our text, David came upon a man who was also there at the same time, whose name was Doeg. He was an Edomite, the chief of Saul's shepherds, as I had already mentioned. Now concerning this man, we are told, notice in verse 7, that he was detained before Yahweh. What does that mean, he was detained before Yahweh? Well, some writers believe that this means that Doeg was returning to Gibeah, but with the Sabbath approaching, he could not complete his journey. Now remember, uh, during it was just a part of uh, the Sabbath requirements that you were unable to travel during a certain period of time leading up to the Sabbath uh, day. And so it has been suggested that the Sabbath was approaching, and thus he could not complete his journey, and so he lighted there at Nob, waiting for the Sabbath to uh, pass, and then he would continue on in his journey back to the city of Gibeah. That's one plausible explanation. Other writers believe he was there because of some ceremonial defilement. So in other words, he was going through a process of cleansing which would have also have taken place there at the tabernacle under the direction of the priests. In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be oh my heart. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Did you know that you could listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship too. 
You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us today, and we look forward to our continuing study of 1 Samuel next time here on In My Father's House. There's a place for me.